looking for the Lord. His faith looks up when there's no one around. Just look up when you're down for the count. No matter what, look up. His faith looks up. His faith looks up. Well, good afternoon, folk, and welcome to another Looking Up show on this absolutely delicious, wonderful Wednesday afternoon, it's sunny with lots of sunshine and there is no sadness in the camp as you are joined together with me, with my good friend Shell. She is at the desk there controlling the controls and the wonderful... Charissa. Charissa. Do you know I had a I blank? You forgot my name. You just got, sat there got, looking got, at me with a smile, folks. I got so excited about today and I, like, Charissa, I'm like, what's her name now? Oh, no, I have mercy. for a treat today, everyone. Folks, I'm not sure what today's going to bring, um, but... Prepare yourself for everything and anything. Yep. <laughs> Shell is just killing herself laughing. She has never seen anything like this in all her life of producing yeah. where you can't even remember your co-host's name. <laughs> Folk, there needs to be changes at this very radio station. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I got so carried away with the day. Yeah, well, it's a great, yeah. delicious day. Oh, I went and visited someone at the hospital, um, at John Hunter. Maybe I should have stayed there and got a check-up <laughs> while I was there. Anyway, folks, it's great to have you. And I'm Danny, and I I think I'm Danny. Am I Danny, Charissa? You are definitely the one and only <laughs> Danny. The one and only crazy Danny. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Have mercy. I've, I've, I've literally had blanks on my daughter's name and my wife's name at time and um, I'm not sure what what you'd call that. Is there a condition for that, Shell? No, <laughs> Shell, Shell doesn't know what to say. <laughs> anyway, here we are. Justin, on the Justin just sent me a text, my husband. He says, we're a name tag next week. <laughs> I'm telling you, if I was Prime Minister of Australia, I would wear a name tag. I would absolutely <laughs> wear name tags. I'd make it law. I'd put out an executive order. Everyone has to wear a name tag. Okay. Otherwise, you can't buy and sell. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, folks, we're here on the Looking Up Show. Today, we're going to be continuing on in the journey of Matthew 24, where we've been, eh, Charissa? We certainly are, and uh, we've got some exciting things to talk about today. I'm really looking forward to our Bible study. It's going to be fantastic. So, um, Charissa has got it all down pat. Not sure what I'm going to be able to uh, bring to the table. <laughs> After I'll, that intro, none of us I'll are try, really sure. I'll try and remember a name at the very least. I'll try and remember a name. But anyway, our number is 04 if you want to connect with us with a question, comment, you want to diagnose my condition, feel free to do that. In the meantime, as you're thinking about who you have to deal with this afternoon, sit back and listen to Steve Grace in Jesus. I've tried in vain. tried in vain a thousand ways my fears to quell my hopes to raise but what I need the Bible says 
Enjoyed that beautiful song from Steve Grace. You are on the Looking Up show with Shell, Sharissa, and Danny. Look at that! I got it. <laughs> we know who we are. Yes, and um, in, the, in the meantime, during that song, I asked them to put name tags on, and um, as Justin rightly suggested, so thank you for that uh, wonderful suggestion, Justin. And if you have more suggestions, yes. <laughs> Uh, we'll be waiting for a diagnosis, so um, <laughs> feel free to text us my diagnosis on 04 17624. They say life begins at 50. Yeah. I'm not quite quite sure what kind of life to expect now. <laughs> anyway, Full of surprises. Full of surprises, yes. Anyway, we're going to have a lovely... Another lovely program, and it is really uh, a delicious Wednesday afternoon, Sharissa. You've got to say, blue skies, oh, sunshine. It's, it's starting to get a bit warmer now. It is, it is. I love this time of year. I mm. love it as it gets warmer, days get longer, you can do more activities outside, and then when daylight saving kicks in, it's even better. Amen. So it's wonderful. <laughs> All right, anything exciting happened in your week this week? Oh, this week, I'm... It must be a pretty normal week because I can't really recall too much. But no. what about you? Well, well, me, yes, because the weather's been really good. I was able to do two lots of mountain biking. Wow. And two lots of tennis since wow. we last Very good. since we last connected. And um, so that's pretty good going. That's so that's very like, good yeah, going. So that's, that's quite a few hours of outdoor exercise and activity. Absolutely. Maybe that's the reason why I'm a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 it's very good, very so, important. 
Anyway, so it's good to get outside, and we want to encourage people to get outside and get some fresh air and sunshine as the days get longer and brighter and warmer. Get out and make the most of it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we talk about um, current events in light of Bible prophecy and what's taking place in the world, and I I want to start off with a with with a, with, a, with a happy story, mm. if that's all right, Sharissa. Why not? Um, this week, this week, Australia's oldest person. Happens to be a man, uh, the woman who was the oldest, I think at 113 or whatever she was, she passed away recently. So this week, the oldest person, happens to be a man in Australia, celebrated his 110th birthday. Wow. Frank Moore, M-A-W-E-R. Happy birthday to Frank. Happy birthday, Frank. He's one of our keen listeners on the Looking Up show. <laughs> no, no, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. It'd be great to have Frank on the show. Yeah. You know, we should try and hook up. I think we can get his number, um, I'm sure. And I'd love to just find out a little bit about, you know, um, the things he's, he's experienced. And when you read through his story, you know, he's someone who's really, you know, loved life. He's been through two world wars, uh, two pandemics. Uh, depression. Imagine all that in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, that that would be lovely to to catch up with him. Maybe we can do that one day. All right. Now onto some onto some other news uh, that we have here. You want to tell us a little bit about um, China? You, you, you well, mentioned China yeah, and, was... and droughts because that that's an interesting story that I want to sort of tap into. Well, I didn't realize until I was browsing the headlines today, and that is that China is experiencing its worst heat wave in sixty years. Wow! Uh, it's forcing factories to close, and there's a little video footage here of a bridge that's actually buckled in the scorching heat. So, wow. um, yeah. 40-degree temperatures they're experiencing in dozens of cities, and it's caused, obviously, a spike in demand for energy, for air conditioning, and putting pressure on the power grid. But, um, yeah, amazing. We're told that in one of China's largest provinces with 84 million people, wow, um, they 19 out of the 21 cities in the region were told to suspend production at all factories from Monday to Saturday according to an urgent notice issued on Sunday by the provincial government and state grid wow. because there's just not enough power. Wow. And this taps into those labor pains that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24 that we've been sharing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the situation is, is getting seriously worse mm-hmm. around the world. And, um, you know, we talked about it, I think, on our last program, that the Europe, the continent of Europe, is in, is in its worst drought in 500 years. Wow. That's what they said, you yeah. know, 500 years. Like they're coming up with one in a thousand year flood. Um, you know, they, they, you know, used to be once upon a time, you know, the, the worst uh, storm or the worst flood in, in decades. That's what you would hear. Mm-hmm. Then it was like the worst in a hundred years. Now it's the worst in the 500 and the worst in the 1,000 years. You know, you, wow. you hear this. You can Google it. I mean, folk out there, if you don't believe us, just Google, you know, put in some of those numbers um, and you'll see. That's right. And it doesn't just affect the power grids, but it also affects the prices of food. I'm yeah. reading here the risk of inflation here because the extreme heat is affecting many crops. Mm. So the price of fresh vegetables is growing up and it's caused drought in other agricultural areas and, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, it's bad news. And um, when it comes to this, I I read an interesting article just uh, 
What is it? Um, the 16th? What's today? I don't know. Today happens to be the 17th. Okay, so this is yesterday's um, article from the ABC News. Um, I don't have time to go elsewhere. I just, you know, mm. see what's on the ABC News feed and basically that's all I'm able to sort of tap into and share. But there was an interesting headline here based on what you're talking about here, La Nina, which is what we are in currently, um, which is wet in the southern hemisphere and dry, super dry in the northern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. It says La Nina sea temperatures driving floods in Australia and drought in the United States and Africa. And it goes on and it says, if, if I just read to you a little bit here, it says um, uh, La Nina conditions are present um, in the US and they, they expect these conditions to continue potentially for at least another year. Wow. So um, we had we had the opposite in 2019. You remember those fires, you know, mm-hmm, historic mm-hmm. fires. And then we had floods in 2020, 2021, and this year, you know, three years in a row. In a row. And um, what they were saying was, was really interesting that, um, uh, that as, as uh, you know, the, the sea temperature is either cooling or warming, it's just creating more and more of these extremes. And instead of, you know, one year being a warm year up north, and then the next year being a little bit cooler and mm-hmm. evening it out. Mm-hmm. Now you're having stretches of mm. of lots of hot. Yep. And then what happens is when 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 things change, then it then it goes to the to the other extreme. Yeah. And they have extreme cold. Wow. And so we're going between the two and it's really unsettling everything. And um and it's yeah, and it's and it's really, really interesting because um they're they're saying potentially another hot uh, and dry uh, summer coming up next year for for the northern hemisphere, and it'll be another wet summer potentially here in Australia, mm-hmm. as it was last year. Mm. It's amazing how important it is to have this this balance between all of these things. All the very how do I say this? But like the very fact that we have all of the right. Things in place for life to exist on the planet, mm. you know, it just goes to show how amazing it is that we can have life here. But how, if you just skew one of those yeah. factors, it yep. affects everything. Absolutely. So it's a miracle, like this planet is it a miracle is. that God made. It is. It, this planet is indeed a miracle in so many ways. And um, it, it's just so diverse, but at the same time, everything is so linked. I mean, you know, the insects, bees, ants, you know, they all have their place. Yeah. And you mess with one or, or two or more of those and, yeah. you know, you'll end up in a lot of trouble. This was really interesting and um, this was another uh, news headline from a USA Today article. Yes. And it was, um, yeah, not so long ago. What have I got here? August 12th. Um, and the headline was, Experts warn California of a disaster larger than any in world history. It's not Ooh, an earthquake. And it's wow. not an earthquake. So when I saw that headline, I'm like, I've got to check this out. And this was this is what it said. Uh, mega droughts uh, may be the main weather concern across the West right now, that is in the United States. Uh, amid the constant threat of wildfires and earthquakes. But a new study warns another crisis is looming in California. Guess what? Mega floods. Wow. They're saying they are, <laughs> they are ripe for a mega flood. The last time one took place was in the 1850s. And it says if, uh, if this kind of mega flood hits 
um, for example, 100 inches of rain you know, in a very short space of time, um, what that will do is that will, that will create such havoc, they're estimating $1 trillion of, of damage. Wow. $1 trillion, that's $1,000 billion. And what they're saying is um, what that can do is that can displace between 5 to 10 million people mm. in California. Mm. Yeah, this is off the charts. Yep. So with all the dryness, because the ground it's like is so... the population so, of Sydney, yeah. <laughs> half the population well, of Australia. Basically, yeah, <laughs> 5 million in Sydney. So yeah. um, because because the ground is so dry, and we've yeah. seen that here in Australia, the ground is so, so dry. You have a terrible drought, you have terrible floods. Exactly, and so and so everything is so dry and, yeah, so... Amazing. You know, it's one thing after another. Well, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but the Anglican Church has split over same-sex marriage, and now conservatives have actually formed a new diocese. Did you know that? No, I didn't that was, know uh, that. It's, uh, it's headlines today. So they've formed a breakaway group of bishops, conservative group of bishops who are opposed to the same-sex marriage um, act that I guess the rest mm. of the church was supporting. Uh, they've described this as an Anglican lifeboat for faithful Christians. And what do they believe? Well, um, Dr. Condi says here that marriage is between a man and a woman as the Bible teaches. Wow. So, yeah, that's in the headlines today. So, so, so they've gone their separate ways. They've, yeah, they've found a safe place for Anglicans who can no longer sit under the authority of their bishop. That's what they wow. call it. Yeah, wow. It's wow, pretty wow, big. Wow, wow, wow. That, that, is, that is really interesting. That yes. is really interesting. Uh, last week... Um, Last week, you'll remember, I spoke of this World Government Summit yes. that took place yeah, back in March. Yeah, that. well, it wasn't on the news. It wasn't on my ABC feed. <laughs> it wasn't on my ABC feed, and I watch a bit of SBS once in a while. Um, well, as often as I can when I'm eating my dinner. Um, and so it wasn't on that, or I missed it. But, yeah, it happened. World Government, World Government Summit. So you can Google that, and that's from um, – that was two days – in March this year, so I just want to just want to share a couple of really fascinating things because they really tap into the Book of Revelation, especially Revelation seventeen, mm-hmm. that describes the nations of the world coming together. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. of one mind, of one purpose. You can read that in Revelation seventeen. You know, verses twelve to fourteen. Yeah, um, and it's interesting here what this World Summit, um, uh, what, what what it seeks to do, and I just want to read. <coughs> excuse me. A little bit of it. This is interesting. It says, um, the largest event of its kind brings the world together under the theme shaping future governments. The summit will bring thought leaders, global experts and decision makers from around the globe to share and contribute to the development of tools, policies and models that are essential in shaping future governments. They literally had a panel and the question was, are we ready for a new world order? Wow. You can go on YouTube and you can actually Google that on YouTube. Are we ready for a new world order? 
And it was about a 30-minute, 40-minute discussion. I watched the entirety and they had like four major leaders yeah. uh, from, from different parts of the world, um, you know, experts in their field. I speaking, just looked it up. And you, it's there. It's and, um, and so, yeah, th- there you go, folks. It's not fake news. It's, it's <laughs> being fact-checked by Google. the one and only Sharissa. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I know her name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm just going to mention her name all day, every day now. No, and it's interesting. You know, this summit... Um, I had 110 sessions and workshops, 4,000 attendees, mm. people, individuals from 190 plus countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 110 speakers, 16 uh, forums, 30 plus international organizations. Mm-hmm. And if I could just read a little bit of the sort of the headlines, um, the participants included. So this is not just, you know, any old Joe Blow. The participants included United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, IMF Managing Director Christina Georgieva, and World Health Organization Director Dr. Tedros. And I won't mention the rest of his name because I can't pronounce it. I can't remember your name, let alone pronounce this one. (laughs) The event included a discussion panel titled, Are We Ready for a New World Order? Which I've already pointed out. The panelists were, da-da-da-da, I won't mention them. But anyway, it says this, this this is really interesting. And I've only got a few seconds left. It says, what underpins a world order is always the financial system. Check this out. This is what they're saying. Um, She said she was privileged that her father advised former U.S. President Richard Nixon, who took the USA off the gold standard in 1971. That's when the World Economic Forum began. Ah. And Klaus Schwab. Oh, that's a story for another day. Because that showed how important a financial structure is to absolutely everything else. And it goes on and on. And um, Charissa hasn't, uh, my mate Shell hasn't given me more time. So I'm going to have to cut <laughs> it there. <laughs> so, folks, we're going to go to some music. And um, there's a lot more to come after this music and the news. But listen to Candace Bergen. Blessed us the one. I am here, my friend, for you. Can 
Faith FM has a brand new live show each weekday morning straight after the breakfast show called Tassie Encounters. Tune in for fascinating discussions of history, science, faith, and personal encounters with Jesus. Tassie Encounters, live every weekday straight after the breakfast show on Faith FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. The Breakfast Show, bits worth repeating. We need to be honest about the history rather than just having propaganda when it comes to statues. Yeah. They should be about history, not propaganda. Because when we destroy statues, we create Alexander the Greats. What is it with Lawson in these <laughs> profundities the last few days? What I mean by this is why was it that this person stole a skull from the morgue to study? Because they are informed by their beliefs on evolution to be racist. That's 100% the reason why. That's right. So we're going to chuck out the statue so that we can make something greater out of evolution than it actually is. We can keep the reputation of evolution squeaky clean. Uh huh. So then we can use it as a model going forward because that's what we want to ideologically subscribe to. And it's the same thing that was done with Alexander the Great. You've said this many times. Pretty much he was Alexander the Terrible. The ancient world considered him to be the ancient Adolf Hitler. Until the Romans were like, wow, this guy had a fantastic model of expansion. We're going to idolise this person and rewrite the history on him. That's right, and they called him Alexander the Great because they wanted to do great things like he did, i.e. become serial arsonist right around the world. That's right. So essentially... When we chuck out the statues, we're making Alexander the Great. We're doing the exact same thing that has been done to subscribe to ideologies that further self. Yes. Rather than being honest about the history and changing. This was a segment from The Breakfast Show. Join in each weekday morning here on Faith FM. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Welcome back. Not that you've gone anywhere, neither have we. We are with you here on the Looking Up show. I think I'm still here. Um, I'm with Sharissa, Shell, and I am Danny. So great to have you on board on this absolutely delightful Wednesday afternoon. Folk, we have a diagnosis. We have a diagnosis for my laps. Charissa, do you want to take them through what, like it stems back quite a ways, quite a ways. This did not just happen today. Yeah, well, you you actually (laughs) alerted to me to what it could be, but there's this website, what Mm -hmm. happened in 1971, Mm -hmm. and um, basically I'm just looking at this website. There's a whole bunch of graphs here, and everything started to go downhill Mm -hmm. in 1971, and that's when you told me. I was born. <laughs> I was born in 1971, and so, the graphs, all the graphs. I'm telling you, you can check this out, folk. Sharissa did. Yeah, it's she she true. did a Google the check. Are going down. Everything's going down. Cost down, of living down. went up, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's that that's that thing's going down well and truly. <laughs> so yeah, the divorce rate went up. Everything started to go up in 1971 when I was born. Yeah, amazing. So. You draw your own conclusions. You draw your own conclusions, folk. You're special. 
Very special. <laughs> no, I'm not sure how special I am. Now people are like, hmm, we know who the Jonah is. <laughs> Maybe they'll call me Jonah. All right, we have a giveaway. Um, as always, we have a giveaway, and today's subject is going to be stimulating. You are going to absolutely love today's subject. There's going to be Bible, there's going to be history, there's possibly going to be some, you know, some, some up-to-date current events showing the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, depending on how we go with time. But today's book is by Charles B. Haynes. Sorry, Charles. Carl. I should put my glasses on, shouldn't I? Carl. B. Haynes, and it's from Sabbath to Sunday. That's going to be mm-hmm. our subject today. We're going to be looking at the first day of the week mm-hmm. in Scripture and um, why so many today worship on the first day of the week rather than the seventh day of the week. That's going to be our subject today from Sabbath to Sunday. So we've got three of these that we are giving away, and in our next section we're going to give the code word away. All right, exciting. So that's what we've got. The number is 04 If you've got any prayer requests, any questions, any comments, um, you don't need to, you can quit Googling the diagnoses for, for what <laughs> I was suffering from earlier on. We've worked that out. It all started in 1971, so it's not my fault. No. I literally couldn't do anything about that. That's right. I could not decide when I was born. I was just born in the bad year. <laughs> and that's when um, the World Economic Forum began. Mm. 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 Okay, <laughs> say no more. We won't say no more at this point in time. All right, All right Sharissa, we've got an exciting study. We do, we do. So um, just before we pray, we've been, as we told our listeners, we've been going through Matthew chapter 24. We've identified what Jesus calls in this chapter the abomination of desolation. Mm. We realized as we did a great study on this, and if you want to go back and, and you missed it, Go to the Faith FM website or get the podcasts of the show and you can listen to it there. And they can download the app. They can and you should actually because sometimes you have bad service in Mm. areas. But the app always has good service if you have data. (laughs) Mm. So, yeah, Jesus identified um, for us something that we should be looking out for as we near the end of Mm -hmm. this world. Mm -hmm. And he's called it the abomination of desolation, which is false worship basically Mm. put in the place of True worship, mm-hmm. false and idolatrous worship, put in the place of true worship. Mm-hmm. As we study Bible prophecy and we put this all together with the big picture that um, is painted for us in the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Correct. We see that prophecy points to a time in the future when when Sunday will be made a day of worship by law and legislation, mm-hmm. which would be a replacement for the Bible Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And people might be listening to this and thinking, huh, scratching their heads, you know, doesn't the Bible say that we should keep Sunday? And today's the day we're going to step through all of those Bible texts that talk about the first day of the week. Mm, this is a fascinating study, and a lot of people are not aware. They're completely oblivious to what we're going to be looking at today. Yeah, and it's going to blow your mind. Oh, if not your socks, your mind. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just going to blow you away. So be strapped in. Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on. Hold on to your chairs. And we are in for an exciting journey. So, Sharissa, yes. take us away. Well, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for the Bible and for the words of truth that are therein because it shows us the path of truth and it points us to Jesus. And as we study now with our listeners, we pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us, help us to understand and see truth clearly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. 
So it's very interesting when you think about the days of the week.、Mm-hmm. The days of the week: Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. In for Romans, they didn't call them those things. They had Latin names for them, and those names、uh, were based on yeah. The planets, the planets, which is amazing, and these planetary names were also to honor their gods. So here、mm-hmm. are the names that the Romans gave to the days of the week. And by the way, the word Sunday actually is never in the Bible. No, it calls it so. Sunday is referred to by a number because the Bible numbers the first six days of the week. It doesn't give them a name. The only Day that has a name is the Sabbath. That's correct. Yeah, which is an amazing thing. But anyway, back to the planetary names that the Romans gave to the days of the week. All right, maybe you should read this. Okay, the first one. The first one for 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 Sundays. Days solis.、Uh-huh. Days solis. So days is day. Solis. solis is the sun. Yes. The day of the sun, or Sunday, as、mm-hmm. we would say.、Uh, for Monday, it was days lunae. Or the day of the moon, or the lunar lunar calendar. Yeah, the lunar yeah. calendar. Yep.、Um, Tuesday is days Martis or Mars,、mm. that in celebration of Mars. So Sun, Moon, Mars.、Yep. Then we go to days Mercury, and you would know which one that is, eh? Mercury. Mercury. So that was Wednesday. Then days Ovis or Yovis, which is you know the the planet Zeus、yep. or Yovi. And that was for Thursday. Then for Friday, we've got days Veneris or、hmm. Venus.、Uh-huh. And then for Saturday, they had days Saturni or Saturday or Sabbath. Yeah, that was for the Sabbath. So there, there you have it. And、um, you know, we've taken on board some of these days, like Sunday. Yep. Monday is Moon Day. Yeah,、uh, we've taken on board Saturday, which is from Saturn. Yes. So some of these、uh, transliterate in the English. Very interesting, isn't Not it? Not all of them, but some of them do. Yeah. All right. So I guess having said all of that, it'd be really interesting for us to step through the Bible verses that actually talk about、mm. um, Sunday, yeah. because you know, there's not many. No, that isn't that a good thing. So we're not going to be here for the next six hours. That's how many are there? There's eight in the、Just、New、eight. Testament. All right. There's、so、one in the there's one in the Old Testament. So there's nine in total in the entire Bible,、right. and the one in the Old Testament is simply found there in Genesis chapter one, where it says,、mm. "On the first day, God, you know, separated, you know, the light from the darkness." All right. All right. So I guess. Given there's only eight or nine, we've just talked about the ninth, but maybe we'll go through the eight. Well, there's only eight in the New Testament, that's and、right. that's really where we need to be focusing、yes. our attention on. So maybe what we could do is we could go through each one of、yeah. these texts,、yeah. because if there's a Bible instruction from God that says Sunday is actually the day of worship,、mm-hmm. then the whole conjecture about what the Bible is saying about the abomination of desolation at the end of time being a Sunday law is actually not true. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's right. So we need. So we need to ask the question.、Um, firstly, you know, do any of these eight verses、uh, clearly demonstrate a change、yes. from Saturday to Sunday? Because in the in the Old Testament, the Sabbath is unequivocal. You、yep. know, it's the seventh day of the week. It's the Sabbath. That's all the way through. There's hundreds of verses on that.、Yes. So the the question Christians ask is. Maybe, just maybe, in honor of the resurrection,、um, was the Sabbath changed from Saturday, the seventh day of the week, to Sunday, the first、yep. day of the week, in honor of the resurrection? So we'll need to find evidence to that effect. If that is the case, it needs to be clearly established that yes, Jesus or the apostles 
anywhere in the New Testament made that change, that it's referred to as holy and mm-hmm. that it's a day now that's set aside for worship. So we need to find all those elements that are part of the seventh-day Sabbath commandment. We need to find them in those first-day texts and those eight first-day texts. I'm so, very excited. So we're going to do a bit of... a bit of. Um, it feels like a science experiment. It is. It is. <laughs> that's actually what we're doing. We're like yeah. literally taking this to court, and um, we're going to see where does the evidence lead. Love it. I'm happy to go where the evidence leads. So maybe we can go to text number one. Would you like to read for us mm-hmm. uh, the very first text in the New Testament that refers to Sunday, the first day of the week? It's Matthew 28, verse 1. Sure, this is what it says, Matthew 28, verse 1. And you may want to jot these down, folk, and then you can check them out yourself as well. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Okay. So does the text call the first day of the week the Lord's Day? No, it doesn't. And uh, does it tell us that we should honor the resurrection? No, it doesn't. Or anything like that. It's very interesting, isn't it? And it's uh, very clear to me too. After the Sabbath. That's right. Yeah. So after so, the Sabbath, after the seventh day. Yeah, and virtually the whole Christian world is united on the fact that oh, Jesus was resurrected on Sunday. Well, what do we, why do we call it Easter Sunday? Exactly. Call it Easter Sunday. You know, in the Orthodox Church, they give one another eggs and so on and so forth. You yeah. know, in honor of the resurrection, and so everybody knows. You know, Good Friday. Yeah. Is on Friday. Yeah. That's when Jesus died. He rested in the tomb over the Sabbath hours. And he was raised early Sunday morning, the and first day of the week. That's like a no-brainer. It, it is. Even a five-year-old can tell you that. And it really makes clear the numbers. Like So So if the day before is Sabbath yeah. and the next day is the first day, that makes Sabbath the seventh day. That's right. And then you've got first day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and, on, and onwards. Yeah. I think there's a lot of confusion now because... I might, we've shared this on Faith FM before, but if you, I've got my, you know, iPhone updated and on my calendar, yeah. my week starts on Monday now. That's a yeah. change they've put yes, in. Yes, yes, yes. It wasn't always that. It used to start on Sunday, um, but yeah, now it starts on Monday. And it's not just your, your calendar on your iPhone um, through Google, but a lot of the calendars now, like I've been to, you know, like get the car serviced or go get new tires or whatever, and you'll see a lot of the calendars, you know, on the wall, you know, those sort of month calendars, and there's a whole bunch of them now that start with Monday, really, and they finish on Sunday. So this is so this is something that is, um, you know, uh, all the way through. Uh, never used to be. Once no. upon a time, you wouldn't find it. Twenty, thirty, forty years ago, I remember all the calendars started on Sunday and ended on Saturday. Pretty much every single one. But in the last maybe ten, twenty years, I would say, um, things have begun to change. So they're creating a different mindset. Well, speaking of which, while you were talking, I literally just open my Google browser and typed in which day is the seventh day of the week. Mm-hmm. Instantly, the result comes back. Big letters up the top. Sunday. No way. Yes. Huh. Sunday is the seventh and last day of the week. That's according to Wikipedia. No way. It's the first hit here. According to Wikipedia. Yeah, but it's also like to Google. Like it's the top result. Look I can that. see that. I'm looking at it as we speak, and folks. I think that's actually a new development. <laughs> that is very much a new development because if you take a look, some of you may still have an old encyclopedia hanging around yeah. um, on your bookshelf. Even a dictionary. Or a dictionary. Yeah, just just open it up and it's very clear the seventh day of the week is Saturday. But here we have, this is what you call, you know, the reconstruction of history. Yeah. This is literally the reconstruction, the, you know, throwing, throwing reality 
and facts out the window and putting in this new alternative false theory. Yeah, and yet the Bible was so clear, as you just read in that first text, after the Sabbath, Mm. as the first day of the week. Sabbath must be the seventh. The first day being Sunday is the first day of the week. Unbelievable. All right. Well, that was text number one. Yep. Have we got time to read oh, text absolutely. number two? Absolutely. So this is in Mark 16, okay. verses 1 and 2, and it's speaking of the same event that we have in Matthew. And it says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him, that is Jesus. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Same deal. The yep. Sabbath had passed. It was the first day of the week because the the day begins at sunset. Now, where do we get that from? We get that from Scripture. We get that from Genesis, um, right. from, from the beginning. The Bible says it was evening and it was morning the first day. It was evening and the morning and the second day. So the day always begins when the sun sets yeah. and the day ends when the sun sets. That's why the Sabbath begins sunset on Friday and it ends Sunset on Saturday. That makes total sense. Yeah, so you don't need a watch. You don't need a watch fantastic. or a sundial. No, <laughs> just fantastic. look up when you see. Fantastic. Look up. You look up. Right yes, see. indeed. Look up. That, that'd be a good name for a radio show, wouldn't it? Looking up. What do you reckon, Shell? Shell's having a if laugh. There, if only we could remember it. <laughs> if only we could remember that. What, what was that? What was that name going to be? <laughs> all right, folks. That's about all we have for right now. Sit back, and we're going to be back with a whole bunch more. We've got six more scriptures to go through, um, but in the meantime. Time, listen to Andrew Peterson, God Rested, and that's our theme for today. Enjoy. So they took his body down, the man who said he was the resurrection and the life was lifeless on the ground now. sky was red as blood along the blade of night As the Sabbath fell, they shrouded him in linen They dressed him like a wound The rich man and the women They laid him in the tomb Six days shall you labor, the seventh is the Lord's, and six he made the earth and all the heavens, but he rested on the seventh, God rested, he said that it was finished and the seventh day, he blessed it, God rested. i 
Hope you were blessed with that beautiful song, God Rested. And indeed, Sharissa, God rested on the seventh day Sabbath. That's what the Bible tells us right there at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2. That's right. God rested after six days of creation. However, Mm. there are so many that believe the day of worship for Christians today post-resurrection is the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. And including our friends at Wikipedia who haven't got the memo yet of what is the actual seventh day, they literally have put in there, which shocked me, that the seventh day is Sunday. And it's the number one hit that comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, so, yeah, Sharissa, well, we, we had just looked at our second um, scripture yes. uh, from Mark. Uh, do you want to make any comments on that? I should should we remind them about the... Uh, oh, yes, 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 there's the code word. Yeah. Thank you, Sharissa's on the ball. That's why we have Sharissa here. If we had two Dannys, no, uh, it'd be chaos. Chaos and confusion. Um, all right, so the code word for today's book, let me first tell you what the book is. Um, it's from Carl Haynes. Carl Haynes, and the book is From Sabbath to Sunday, subtitle, The Attempt to Change God's Holy Day. This is fascinating. A lot of history in this book um, of how the change took place, why the change took place, and a really, really fascinating reading, especially if you love history and if you want to know, you know, sort of all the background of, of how we got to where we are today. Really fascinating book. And so we've got three of these, only three of these for the first three listeners to text in the code word, which is... Change. Change. Yes, she wasn't confident that I would remember. So she jumped in real quick with that word. She doesn't want anyone to miss out or be confused. Yeah, change. 
So um, C-H-A-N-G-E, change. Text that to 04-888-17624. That's 04-888-17624. The first three listeners to text oh, wow. that in. Get this book. It is a keeper. This Look, one, we've already had one taker. We've already had one. Wow, it's There's gone. Only two left. Only two left, just like that. In the twinkling of an eye, one has gone. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, back to our study, Sharissa. Yes. So as you were saying, you know, many people think that really they think that we should be keeping Sunday in honor of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And that's not the only reason why they think that. They think that, you know, Jesus also walked and talked with two disciples Mm -hmm. on Sunday on the road to Emmaus. Um, He also appeared to the 11 apostles on the evening of Sunday. Mm -hmm. And a week later, he appeared again on a Sunday. Well, that would have been Monday. The true, evening true, of true, Sunday true, night true. would have been Monday. Good point, good point. <laughs> the second day of the week. But anyway. Yes. Um, God also poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, mm-hmm. which was actually on a Sunday mm-hmm. in Scripture. Yep. The first proclamation of the gospel took place on a Sunday yep, and the was, first baptisms that's right. um, happened on Sunday. This is all around the day of Pentecost. Yeah, that's, that's what they're... Um, but yeah, why, so why did Jesus resurrect on Sunday? Well, according to the prophecy, Jesus said uh, the Son of Man will be in the tomb for three days. Yes. And on the third day, he will arise. And in the Bible, some may be thinking, wait a minute, hang on a minute, from Friday afternoon, he died at 3 p.m. And then, you know, by the time he was buried in the tomb, it was very close to Sabbath. Um, and then he rose early Sunday morning. That's not three full days. That's that's just over 24 hours. Um but in the Bible, even a part of a day, even if it's one hour in the day, it's considered a day. Mm-hmm. Like that's just how the Bible sort of refers to the days. Mm-hmm. Um, so three days. So when Jesus said three days, he would rise. So he would rise on the on the first day of the week. Now that that is significant. For, <coughs> excuse me, from a number of point of view, because you have you have after creation, uh, God rested. The Bible says, and God created through his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ was the chief agent of creation, Mm -hmm. according to Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews 1, and John 1. And so you have so you have Jesus resting after creation, six days. You have redemption, Jesus resting after after dying on the cross on Friday. He rests in the tomb on on, on Sabbath. And it's interesting, we've got six thousand years of history. Guess what? We spent the millennium in heaven. The earth rests for a thousand years. Six thousand years of sin and suffering and sorrow. The earth rests for one thousand years. That's the, that's the Sabbath of the earth during the millennium. And so you have all these, all, all these different symbols in connection with the seventh day Sabbath. Amazing, amazing. So maybe we can uh, look at another text. And it's interesting, I, I, if oh, I could yes? just finish, I mean, the Bible says he finished you know, his work on the sixth day yes. and God rested, he ceased. And when Jesus died, he cried out, it is finished. Mm. The same language. Amazing. It is finished. So, God yeah. rests when he's finished, Absolutely. not because he's tired. No. Because <laughs> he's finished. That's Excellent. Right. Well, let's look at text number three, shall we? Okay, Mark 16, verse 9. This is also in connection with the resurrection. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Mm-hmm. Again, this is just another gospel text, but it's just speaking very clearly to us. It doesn't call Sunday or the first day the Lord's Day. There is no injunction here for us to keep it holy or that it's the day that we should go to church 
Um, not that it's a problem to go to church. We should go. We can go any well, day. We can worship any day. We can exactly. go to church any day. That's right. But God only calls us to keep one day holy. That's right. That's right. And That's we the can't bottom line. Keep every day holy because yeah. otherwise the Bible well, look, says we should work six look, days. It's just like you and your husband. Seventh. You and your husband. Justin, the yes. one and only. Uh, <laughs> you remembered his name. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm okay after all. <laughs> um, anyway, you and Justin can go out any day. Yeah. Okay. But there's only one day in the year when you will go out to celebrate your anniversary. That's right. Isn't that right? That's absolutely um, right. You know, you can yeah, go out. You can out. celebrate your birthday any day, but it doesn't change the fact that you exactly. were only born on this particular exactly. day. Exactly. So you can't change a fact. Right. Um, as much as you want to dress it up and do whatever else you want with it, the facts are the facts. History is history. The scriptures are the scriptures. God says, my word does not change. God yes. is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, the heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my word or my law shall by no means pass away. And, you know, maybe someone might be listening and thinking, well, okay, but the Sabbath was, okay, Jesus rested in the tomb according to the to the commandment, then he rose on the first day of the week. But, you know, Sunday is at least the day of joy Mm. because the Sabbath, they were sad. You know, the disciples were sad because Jesus was dead and buried in a tomb. But Sunday is a day of joy and victory, so therefore we should also keep that day. That's the day we should keep holy. That's sometimes the... Well, there is, yeah, there is the argument, and obviously the big one is in honor of the resurrection. Um, Mm. And I'll get to, you know, maybe a statement on that later on. Um, where the Church of Rome says that, you know, we we change the day from Saturday to Sunday in honour of the resurrection. Mm. But we can we can come up with these ideas and they may sound good, but if it's not biblical, if it's not what God has put in place, it means nothing. Yes. Um, I think of a scripture, you know, there are there are many Many thoughts in the thought of, you know, sorry, many thoughts in the heart of a man, but it's the will of the Lord that prevails. Yes. You know, the heart is wicked, desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, we can't go on what we think. I mean, you know, look at the mess that we have found ourselves in as a society because we have decided that we know better than God. And so, you know, we, we have changed a lot of things to our detriment. You know, marriage in the family that God has placed mm-hmm. in his word, how to have a happy and a prosperous society based on, you know, the foundation of marriage in the family. We're thrown out out the window because we know what's best and now we are in such turmoil as a society and we're going down the tube. Yeah, so basically you're just saying that we shouldn't follow human reasoning no. when it contradicts the Bible. You know what's interesting about this whole idea is that Jesus, as we said before, had already told his disciples that he would die but be resurrected on the third day. Mm. So in that sense, had they recalled the words mm. of Jesus, that, that, Sabbath, have been that Sabbath should have been a very happy one because Jesus was going to be resurrected. That's he right. was completing salvation you know, plan for them. But... The other amazing thing about this, and I never thought about this before mm. until we were preparing for this, was that Sunday, on Sunday, every reference we have to the disciples on the Sunday by the, the road to Emmaus when it's evening and they finally realize, the disciples were actually sad. Mm. So, you know, like... Yeah, they were sad on Sunday. They weren't celebrating, oh, yes, Jesus has resurrected. And they were very afraid, as we're going to get to another scripture in a little bit. Yeah. Should we read that, maybe Mark 9... 9 16. Yeah, go for it. So Mark sixteen nine to 13 says, Now when he rose 
Early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So they're weeping weeping on on Sunday. And then verse 11, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. <laughs> Amazing. Verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. That's, that's that. The road to Emmaus, which yeah. is in Luke. Luke Verse 13. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So the whole idea of... So there's not much celebrating happening. There was no celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Was, exactly. Well, we're up to text number four, I think. Yeah. Do you want to read that? All right. So John 20, verses 1 and 2. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's speaking of John, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. All right. Some interesting points about this. Mm, This is another gospel. Yeah, this is another gospel. So it's the first day. It's still dark. And um, they're like, where is he? You know, they had they had no idea. So it doesn't sound like they're celebrating. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of rejoicing going on. There's certainly no gladness uh, yeah. taking place. Um, there's, there's probably a lot of fear. There's a lot of confusion. Um, there's a lot of anxiety. And it's interesting too because Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. Am I that's kidding? right. That's right. And yeah. they are known as that not only because there's a lot of similarities and crossover between story and coverage, but also they were written around the same about time. About the same time, about 30 years after the time of Christ, roughly. Okay. But John's gospel is a bit different. John's uh, gospel was written, one of, it's one of the last um, books of the New Testament written, along with the book of Revelation around the same time. So almost um, toward the end of the first century. So this is probably you know, the oldest of the New Testament um, documents that we have. Which is interesting. Which is interesting. Maybe so it's written somewhere between years. 90 and 100 AD. Wow. So this is yeah, 60 to 70 years after Jesus goes back to heaven. And the first day of the week is in Sunday. reference to Sunday. It's amazing because, yeah, after 60 years post-resurrection, mm. there's been no change. No changes. In the understanding of the disciples, the early church. Um, amazing. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. All right. Well, another one. Text 5? Text 5. All right, Luke 24, 1 to 3. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Okay, again, (coughs) there's no mention of it being a Lord's Day, no mention to keep it holy, nothing to say this day should be kept holy in honor of the resurrection of Jesus. It's simply referred to as the first day of the week, Coming after the Sabbath. Yeah, so basically these first five references that we've looked at are basically saying the same thing, that Mm. Jesus rose on the first day of the week um, and there was sadness, uh, there was confusion, there was doubt, um, there was all these things taking place. So that's the first five of the eight. They just simply speak of the resurrection. And it's very clear the sequence of days. Friday is called the preparation day. That's right. Because it was preparing for the Sabbath. That's right. I love how it's called the preparation action, yeah. and we should adopt that principle. And that's that's the whole point of Friday, to prepare for the Sabbath. Yeah. Because just like you prepare the home for visitors or, or a wedding, you know, there's preparation. Yep. So you're preparing to, to invite the Lord of the Sabbath into your midst and Amen. to celebrate this day that he has set aside for creation. Amen.
Powerful, isn't it? Well, folk, we've got some more scriptures to come. Um, we've got three more and then some other bits and pieces. Um, but we don't have time to delve into any of that right now because we have Matt and Josie Minicus, Temple of Time. This is a great way to refer to the Sabbath. Indeed, it's a temple of time. Sit back and enjoy. God took six days and created earth and moon and stars and sun. On the seventh day he rested from the work that he had done. Then he blessed it, made it holy as a gift for Beautiful song, Charissa. Yeah, I love Temple that one. Temple of Time. It never gets old. Uh, it's beautiful, beautiful. Or a palace in time, as one uh, Hebrew uh, theologian referred to the Sabbath as a palace in time. I love that as well. Mm. Well, folk, we've only got one book left. One book left from Sabbath to Sunday from by Carl Haynes, The Attempt to Change God's Holy Day. Only one. So one listener is entitled to this book, provided you text the word CHANGE, CHANGE to 4 
0488 One book left. So get those fingers moving, folk. <laughs> and um, the first one in will get the third and final book. And you will want this book. This is a fantastic resource. It really is. Amen. And as uh, we've been going through our study today, we're going through the eight texts that talk about Sunday. We're just mm-hmm. seeing if any of them tell us that Sunday should be a day of worship mm-hmm. uh, or a holy day. And we've actually, we're up to number six. We are indeed. So text number six is in John 20, verse 19. And it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Amen. So again, there's a reference here to the first day of the week, but there is no command to keep it holy, attend, make it a worship day, um, or, or calling it the Lord's Day or anything like that. Or in honor of the resurrection, nothing, zero. That's it. Um, many people might say, though, that this is a proof that the disciples gathered on the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection. Hardly. For fear of the Jews, they were like scared senseless. <laughs> yeah. They thought they were going to be next, Charissa. Yeah. I mean, they saw what happened to their Lord and their Savior and their, and, their, and, and their leader. I mean, he was put on the cross. They're like, we're next. They're hiding yes. for fear of the Jews. They think they're going to be next. There is no celebration going on, my friend. It's probably a very, very serious and somber prayer meeting going on. Yeah. Lord, please. Have mercy on us. Save us from these, from the Jewish establishment that probably wants to take us out next. And what about the idea that you know that Sunday was the day when they celebrated communion? Therefore, we should have communion in honor of the resurrection every Sunday. Uh, it's interesting because Jesus actually couldn't have joined them for communion. Before, because remember the day before his death on the Thursday, mm-hmm. that's when he actually instituted, you know, the communion service there. And he told his disciples that he would not drink from the cup again until he drank it with them in his father's kingdom. That's right. We read that in Matthew 26, mm, verse 29. Point. That's a very good point. It's an amazing point. Bible says in Matthew 26, 29, but I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you. In my father's kingdom. Mm, that's a good point. I've never thought of that scripture. I hadn't either. Um, but that is a really, really good point. Yeah. So, um, yes, and it's true. So, so the first communion took place really on the preparation day because Thursday night, according to scripture, was Friday. That's it was true. The beginning of Friday. I so it was, on the, that. <laughs> it was on the preparation day. So Jesus prepared them with the communion on the preparation day before the Sabbath and before the resurrection. So you can see those three days all lining up. And the whole point of that service was to commemorate mm. his death, mm. not Sunday as a day of yeah. worship or now, The Apostle Paul, if we want to talk about the resurrection, what 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 is there is there something within, within Christianity that commemorates the resurrection? Yes, there is. If you read Paul, um, he speaks of, and this is in Romans chapter 6, he speaks of, Baptism, baptism as the outward symbol for the Christian in honor of the resurrection. He says, as you were raised with Christ, you know, you're baptized in Christ. He uses the analogy um, or uses a baptism, I should say, as a metaphor for for the resurrection in yes. Romans chapter 6. Amazing. <coughs> Amazing. 
So I, I think I'm happy with that. Is there anything else you want no, to add? No, I think that's sufficient. I mean, that that is sufficient. You know, they according to Acts 2, verses 44 and 46, you know, the believers were together. They had everything in common. Every day, you know, they, they broke bread in their homes and that's they right. ate together with gladness. So you can... You can celebrate part. You can celebrate communion any day of the week. Praise um, God! But once again, we are looking for the evidence, the very clear evidence, where Sunday is now the new day of worship. Sunday is now the new holy day, and Sunday is now the day that has been set aside for Christians to rest. Amen. Okay, so the things that are embedded in the fourth commandment, which we don't need to guess, we know where that is, it's in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11, that those same ingredients embedded in the fourth commandment, are they embedded in the first day of the week according to Scripture? And so far the evidence is no. That's right. We it's haven't very found clear. it. We haven't found it. In Not fact, even close. They weren't even celebrating on the first day. No, they weren't. They weren't. So we go, I think, to our seventh text. Now yeah, this is a text that um, trips a lot of people up. Yeah. And so we want to take a look at this. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, um, verses 1 and 2. Okay. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. This is what it says. Where are we here? Okay, I'll read, I'll read from the NIV this time. How does sure. that sound? Sounds good. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Okay. (coughs) So they were putting things aside on the first day of the week. Yes, that's exactly right. That's what they were doing. Is that proof that Sunday's a holy day? No, no. In fact, a number of Bible translations, we won't take the time to read all these, like the New American Standard, English Standard Version, Revised Standard Version. Um, a number of them speak of this uh, money to be set aside at home. Mm-hmm. So not taken to church. A lot of people believe that, oh, look, there's a worship service going on. They're, they're collecting an offering yes. on the first day of the week at church, as you do. Yeah. Um, and so that gives us evidence that they were having a worship service because there's an offering being collected on the first day of the week. But no, there was no offering being collected on the first day of the week, for starters, and it wasn't at the church. Secondly, it was at home, and they were to lay aside that amount at home. What's going on here, if you read the context, um, there in in the book of Romans, chapter 15, you discover that there is a a drought taking place. There's a horrible drought taking place in Judea. Ah. And so Paul is encouraging the believers in Corinth um, to to think of their brothers and sisters in Judea who are suffering under this horrible famine. And we've talked about that because that's one of the signs that Jesus gave in Matthew 24 that would precede the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. This is all happening before 70 AD. And so he says... Take up a collection on the first day of the week. Why? Because you know you know what happens. Well, I know what happens. And back then, they would go to the markets every day, right? So you go to the market. You don't. You didn't have fridges where you go to Coles and Woolies and you and you load up your trolley or two or however many you need, depending on how big your family is. And you take it home and you put it in your fridge in your cupboards. No, they didn't have fridges back then. So every day they'd go to the markets. And so if you set aside the money at the beginning of the week, on the first day of the week, you set that aside for people in need in Judea who are going without, put them first, then go to the markets, he's saying. 
it's not in the text, but that's literally what he's saying. Go to the markets and utilize the rest of that money during the week. And so that way, the money has been set aside. It hasn't been spent on groceries during the week. So by the time they get to Friday, they might only have a tiny little bit left because they've already spent it. But this way, they can put the money aside for those in need and then be a little bit more um, you know, conservative in their spending through the week to get them through. Amazing. So it's really not talking about Sunday being a holiday. No, it's not at all. It's actually teaching us a lot about stewardship. It is. It's teaching us that we should prepare, like be more intentional in our giving um, to um, – you know, this is a personal admonition for us to practice privately in our homes, it even says, and it's God will bless. Absolutely. We are faithful well, to look, you. and that's just what you do today. I mean, like if, you've, if you're paying a mortgage or you're paying the rent and bills, you'd be foolish, Sharissa. And I mean, no, no, don't, no, 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 I'm using this sort of in a, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. what do you call it? Carry like, on. Anyway, I'll carry on. <laughs> like you'd be a foolish person. If you decided that you're going to go on holidays and you're going to max out your credit card on lots of clothes that you don't need and shoes and computer gear and fancy toys and whatever, whatever, you'd be foolish if you spent all your money on that and you didn't set the money aside first for your mortgage, for your rent, for your food, for your bills, your insurances. They're going to come around, your rego car maintenance, da-di-da-di-da. We all know that. You know, good budgeting, good stewardship. You set the money aside for the important things and then what's left over, then you can go and do a bit of spending if you if you want to and need to. Absolutely. Same deal. Same deal. Well, I guess that's um, – I'm happy with that. Yep. Um, if yeah. our listeners aren't, they should really text us <laughs> if they have any questions. Yeah, text us, text us. 0488-1762-4. Fantastic. All right, are we up to number eight? Yes. All right, look at that. We're up to our final text. And this is in Acts chapter 20, verses 7 to 12. So I'll read read the entirety of it. It says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Mm. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Danny. No, his name is Eutychus. Eutychus. What translation? <laughs> That's the uninspired Danny version. <laughs> Who was sinking into a deep sleep. Now, folk, don't go to sleep in church because notice what happens to poor Eutychus. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, this gives me encouragement because Paul was obviously long-winded like I am. So it gives me encouragement. He fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he carried on till daybreak, he departed and they brought the young man in alive. So he was resurrected. And they were not a little comforted. Amen. So, so this Sharissa tells us wow, that this yeah. is, this is looks like like from a first glance, it might appear to people that this is a meeting. Yeah, this well, is a this, church this is a gathering. Meeting. This is a gathering, no doubt about a gathering it. Gathering of the church the, on Sunday. The disciples came together to break bread. So there we have it. This is up. This is the text we've been waiting for. The it's last one we managed to find it. <laughs> or did we? Or did we? <laughs> All right, well, let's, Where think, would we start? I think we need to unpack this. Okay, so the first thing we need to we need to uh, look at this was an evening meeting that took place on the first day of the week. Okay, okay, so, so this is a, a meeting Sunday night. 
This is a meeting taking place on Saturday night. On Saturday because, night. Because the first day of the week begins on the sunset, sunset yep. Saturday night, and it ends sunset Sunday. True. Okay. So if it was evening on the first day of the week, yes. it's going to be the first part of the day, which is Saturday dark night. dark portion, Saturday. The dark portion. So this is a Saturday night meeting. So most likely what was taking place, Paul was there on Sabbath. They were having a worship service on Sabbath. And because he's leaving the next day, and if you read the rest of of that chapter and, and, and into Acts uh, 21 and so forth, you discover that this is his final time that he's going to be with these believers. Mm-hmm. And you can just imagine the final time we're going to have the privilege of listening to the Apostle Paul. They don't want him to go without sharing keep more preaching, and more. Keep, keep preaching. preaching. And we know that we know that they're keen for him to keep preaching. He's been preaching all the way through Saturday, all the way into Saturday night. This poor guy, Eutychus, he falls asleep because he's overcome by sleep. <laughs> and the Bible says... He continued to speak after he resurrected this young man. It says a long while, even till daybreak, and then he departed. So Paul departs on Sunday morning, which is the second half of the first day of the week. Mm -hmm. Sunday morning he departs and he travels to Asos, which is about 30 or 40 kilometers. If Sunday was the Sabbath, there's no way in the world Paul would travel that distance on the Sabbath. That's right. Buy a ticket and jump on a ship. He just would not do that. You read the rest of the story. So um, this clearly tells us that, no, the Apostle Paul um, and the believers were not celebrating the new seven, the, the new holy day on Sunday. This was simply a Saturday night meeting that went into Sunday morning. I don't know about our listeners, but I feel very relieved. Yeah. <laughs> because the Bible's given not a conflicting message no. here, but it's very consistent yeah. and nothing is contradictory. When you allow the Bible to interpret itself. Now, we're almost Beautiful. out of time on this, but um, there's a number of scriptures where can, in, in the New Testament, um, we, we'll, we can come back to some of these, you think? Yeah. Um, where the Apostle Paul and uh, the early Christians continue to worship on the seventh day Sabbath, both Amazing. in the synagogue and outside of the synagogue. So maybe one of the two of these we can take, take a look at after this um, news break. So we've got some music coming from Carly Fletcher. Come and worship. We have the we have the news following that, and then we'll be back for our final home stretch. So don't go anywhere. The best is yet to come. Worship the Lord who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. For He is the one who created all things and calls us to rest from our labor. Each Sabbath He calls us aside. Rest in Him and abide It's time to come back to our Maker To remember our God and Creator Come worship the Lord Who made heaven and earth The sea and the springs of Worship the Lord who 
loves us, his sons and his daughters. For he is the one who became one of us to die in our place for our sin. Each Sabbath he calls us aside to come rest in him and abide. It's time to come back to our Maker to remember our God and our Savior. Come worship the Lord who To Faith FM, positively different radio. The Breakfast Show, bits worth repeating. This whole aspect of gender flexibility is just a thought-up thing, initially promoted by a very clever person, Judith Butler. She's a professor of philosophy and developed this from a philosophical point of view, and that led to it being published and has got out there. Philosophy and science are not the same thing. No, definitely not. You can have a belief an ideology that comes about as the result of philosophy, but surely it's wrong to then turn around and say, well, this is my philosophy, therefore it's science. It's not science, and it's crazy that people are getting on board with this. This was a segment from The Breakfast Show. Join in each weekday morning here on Faith FM. 
Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. It's a free giveaway that you can claim. You can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Well, folk, we are in the final stretch on the Looking Up show on this Wednesday afternoon. And, Sharissa, we have been looking up a number of scriptures today. Um, <laughs> well played. <laughs> on on the first day of the week. Oh, it's and, been amazing. Um, yeah, just taking a look and to see whether, whether there has been a change from scripture yeah. of the day we ought to be worshipping on, the day that has been set aside as holy, potentially in honour of the resurrection, and thus far we have come empty. We have. We've gone through all eight of the scriptures. We have. There's a ninth one. We there is a ninth visit. one that doesn't mention the first day, but it's one that's that's connected with that, and many people believe it alludes to it. True. But, um, but before that, we finished off by by um, sharing with our listeners that there are a number of scriptures in the New Testament that speak of Christians gathering um, to worship on the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week, both in the synagogue and outside of the synagogue. So we're maybe going to read a couple of those. Yeah, won't we, we should. There's um. There's some amazing here, uh, amazing verses here. So maybe the first one I can look at here is Acts chapter 13, Mm -hmm. verses 14, 42, and 44. The Bible says, however, when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in that place. Pisidia. And went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next day. Sabbath. Sabbath. And verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Mm. So here we have uh, Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. Um, He's speaking uh, to the Jews in the synagogue. And that's kind of a no-brainer because the Jews back then, as is the case today, they worship in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. Um, But it's not just the synagogue. He meets with the Gentiles who beg him to share these same words of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ the next Sabbath, and he does that. And then the following Sabbath, the Bible says, so there's three Sabbaths in a row here that are mentioned in Acts 13. You have the whole city coming together to hear the word of God. Now, there's no way the whole city would have fitted into one room. Okay, The rooms weren't that big. They wouldn't have fitted into the synagogue or any other place. So this would have been an outdoor service. I never thought about that. This would have been an outdoor service probably um, there in the amphitheater um, of that that place there in um, Pisidia, in Antioch, which was a a large city, Pisidia. And so they would have met in the amphitheater. And I've been to the Middle East, and those amphitheaters can seat up to five to 10,000 or more people. And it's fascinating. The acoustics are absolutely amazing. I stood there uh, on the stage um, and I looked up, you know, and you've, you've got, you know, all the seating and that. It's all in stone. That's why it's lasted 2,000 years. And my mate, Peter Watts, um, we all know Wattsy. He used to be on the Faith FM show before we yes. moved down to um, Tasmania. He was right up the top and he was clearly able to hear me speak and I didn't have to yell. 
Just the acoustics. Amazing. Acoustics, amazing. Well, you know, you mentioned that it was probably an outdoor service, and the next verse that I have here is Acts 16, 13, which mm-hmm. says, On the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So here is a meeting by a river, not mm-hmm. in a synagogue, but he's meeting obviously with believers on another Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And there's another one probably. I mean, there's so many more, but maybe if you just read one more. I like Acts 18, 11. Oh, okay. Read that I've one. never noticed that this, actually, it's verse 18, chapter 18, verses 1 to 4 and verse 11. Yeah. But um, here when Paul met Aquila and Priscilla in Corinth, it says he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Now, watch this. I've never mm-hmm. noticed it until I was um, reading this. In verse 11, it says, and he continued there a year and six months. Mm-hmm. So he's there. He's there every Sabbath in the synagogue for a year and six months. That's a total of at least 78 Sabbaths. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, these texts are making a very consistent, clear point, And that was Paul loved keeping the Sabbath he because did. he loved the Lord. He did. And it's interesting, Acts 17, verse 2 and 3, it says, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And it goes on. It's, it uses the same language when it speaks of Jesus, whose custom was to go in and worship on the Sabbath in the synagogue. So Paul was following in the footsteps of Jesus. Amazing. And we're invited to follow in the footsteps of, not Paul, but in the footsteps of Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. Amen. Well, I think that um, pretty much summarizes that part. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there's still one text left. Do you want to do that now? Yeah, sure. So this is uh, not a Sunday text, but it's one that um, many believe refers to Sunday. and And it's in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. And in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, which I will quickly read and find for you, um, this is what it says. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. So this is John the Revelator, and he says he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He receives the vision of the book of Revelation on the Lord's day. And many many are like, well, there you go. The Lord's day, it's Sunday. Um, John receives it on the new Sabbath, Sunday. But the Bible clearly points out that the Lord's day is the seventh day Sabbath. You can find that in Exodus 20. You can find that in Isaiah 58. Um, Jesus said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath in um, Mark chapter 2 and so on and so forth. And, And also in Matthew, this was written in the first century. The book of Revelation was written in the first century. You do not have the Christians referring to the Lord's Day until well and truly into the second century. Toward the end of the second century is when Christians begin to refer to Sunday as the Lord's Day. So when John wrote the book of Revelation, the Lord's Day was only, only referred to as the Sabbath. Wow. So he, he literally, the Bible could literally say, and I was in the Spirit on a Sabbath day, yeah, and I saw him home and well, lifted up. Well, everybody knew when they when they read the book of Revelation. Well, Mark 2, 27, 28. Yeah, that's right. Jesus he, is Lord of the Sabbath. That's what I mean. And so and those Old Testament scriptures. So it's very, very clear Jesus is on the Lord of the Sabbath. And so there's no doubt um, from Scripture that the Lord's Day is the Sabbath day. Um, the seventh day is God's holy day set aside by God for a holy purpose of communion with him, unlike any other day. It's a day of rest, a day of worship in a very special sense of the word. And it's a day for people to gather together. It's a holy convocation. Yeah. 
That's amazing. And I've just got here in my notes that actually 23 times the Bible refers to the Sabbath as the Lord's Day. Wow. Amazing. And it, 23. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I guess maybe for the sake of listeners who may be wondering, because we've, the Bible's been very clear, very consistent. So where on earth does this change ever happen? Like, how come so many people think Sunday is the first? Good question. Day? Thank you so much. All right. In the, in the few minutes that we have left, I'm just going to go through some, some very quick history with our listeners to help them understand where this all came from. So let's go to the, the Church of Rome um, that, that has some very clear statements, and I'll just take a look at one. This is from a book entitled The Faith of our fathers by James James Cardinal Gibbons, who was one mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. one of the intellectual scholars um, and 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 leaders within the Catholic Church, and this is what he had to say on page five sixty one. He says, "You may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday, which wow. we have done." He <laughs> yes. goes on. He says, "The Scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday." So that is very, very clear. So I wanted to do some study, and like 20-odd years ago, Charissa, whilst I was in my final year there at Avondale College, as it was known back then, it's called Avondale University, studying to be a minister, I wanted to find out the truth about this subject. So I did a, I, I did a, I did a, like a three-month study on this. So I read a number of books um, trying to unpack how did the change take place, how and when. And I came across this great book, which I have in my library, from an Italian who is now passed away, Samuel Bacchiocchi, a Bible scholar. And he wrote his dissertation on this subject, From Sabbath to Sunday, similar book to the one that we've been giving away. And the subtitle is A Historical Investigation of the Rise of Sunday Observance in Early Christianity. And this book... Um, was recommended by because of its rich content, its rigorous scientific method, and the vast horizon with which it has been conceived and executed by by the by one of the individuals that was responsible for the PhD going on, yes. and that was Vincenzo Moncianino. Who? Vincenzo <laughs> Moncianino. He was the chairman. He's the chairman of the Church History Department, Pontifical Gregorian University. Okay. So. So Samuel Bacchiocchi went to Rome. He went to the Church of Rome's premier university dealing with the primary sources that we have on this subject. Mm -hmm. And here is a summary of his book, okay, just in a few words. And it's right there in 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 the front cover, basically. The investigation that is from Sabbath to Sunday, how it happened, the investigation shows that the adoption of Sunday in place of the Sabbath, the Saturday, did not occur in the primitive church of Jerusalem by virtue of apostolic authority, but approximately a century later in the church of Rome. An interplay of Jewish, pagan and Christian factors contributed to the abandonment of the Sabbath and adoption of Sunday observance instead. Mm-hmm. And so you have that there. And I've got a little catechism here, a Catholic catechism uh-huh. that I that I managed to get my hands on. Um, and this is what it says. You can see it? I can you see can it. You can tell our listeners I've got it here. He's not lying. Can you hear that, Faye? <laughs> I'm rustling it. And this is what it says here. 
Um, question and answer, okay, as, as convert catechisms are in question and answers. It says, um, this is from Peter Gearman, his, his, his um, catechism. Which is the Sabbath day? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer, we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Wow. So the church itself says it did that. And, um, and that makes sense because there is nothing in Scripture. There is nothing seen. in Scripture. And in Daniel 7.25, God predicted that this power would intend to change times and laws. Mm. And we've looked at that in the past and we may you know, revisit that again. And it's interesting when you take a look at what other Christian churches say on this matter. I've got this little book here that, oh, yes. that um, yeah, outlines a number of the churches and what they have to say on the subject. I oh, just want to read us. to you a couple. Mm-hmm. This is from the Baptists. They say, um, this is an official, um, an, an official uh, fr- uh, statement from the Baptist church in their church manual, the Baptist manual. There was and is a commandment to keep holy the Sabbath day, but that Sabbath day was not Sunday. It will be well said, however, and with some show of triumph, that the Sabbath was transferred from the seventh to the first day of the week. Where can the record of such a transaction be found? Not in the New Testament. Absolutely not. There is no scriptural evidence of the change of the Sabbath institution from the seventh to the first day of the week. So nice and clear. And who was that again? That was the Baptist Church Manual. Amazing. Uh, From the Pentecostal, our Pentecostal friends. Um, they, they, they have written this official statement, the Pentecostal Evangelical, August 9, 1959, page 3. This is what they've written. Why do we worship on Sunday? Doesn't the Bible teach us that Saturday should be the Lord's Day? Apparently, we will have to seek the answer from some other source than the New Testament. Hmm. <laughs> we're going to have to find the source from somewhere else. Um, I won't take the time to read the others because we're almost out of time, but the Churches of Christ, they say, speak of it, the Church of England or the Anglican Church, they share similar statements, the the Lutheran Church, um, the Methodist Church, the Moody Bible Institute, the Mormon Church, the Presbyterian Church, the Dictionary, the Encyclopedia, and so on and so forth. They all say the same thing. And, um, and it's interesting because... Uh, the Church of Rome put out these four interesting statements um, a number of years ago, and uh, they challenged Protestants with this question, why do Protestants keep Sunday? If you are Bible-believing, why do you keep Sunday? You know, we believe in tradition and the Scriptures, but Protestants believe in sola scriptura, the Bible and the Bible alone. So why do you keep Sunday instead of Saturday? Four articles, and there was no good answer. Because mm. Protestants that claim to go with the Bible and the Bible alone, they've got nowhere to go. There's no Bible verse. There's no Bible verse as we've looked at this yeah. afternoon. And so it's really, really fascinating. And so Amazing. <laughs> that is why that is why this will be the key issue at the end of time, because the book of Revelation given by God to John on the day of worship, on the Lord's Day, is centered at the end of time. The final conflict is over worship. You cannot miss that. It's in chapter 13 and 14. The word worship appears eight times, Sharissa, in those two chapters. That's right. Seven in connection with worshiping the beast and the mark of the beast and the image of the beast and so on and so forth, and only once in connection with worshiping the Creator. Powerful. So this is the key issue, and we're going we're gonna to go back and revisit some of this um, 
in the future because this is going to be the key issue at the end of time. So we need to have our listeners know and understand. So, folks, that's a little of the history. So much more we could have shared, but we don't have time for that. In the meantime, Amy Cherry, my day, and then we'll be back for the final liftoff. As the sun disappears in the evening sky I can hear the melody of your smile Symphony, sweet harmony of your grace Lead me in to listen to your holy word for This is my about to lift up but about to land we're about to land this ship this afternoon on the looking up show folk i hope and pray that you have been as blessed as we have here in the studio 
That's right. It's been a, it's been a wonderful journey of discovery Love this it. afternoon in Scripture and then a little bit at the end there looking at history and just looking at what the other Christian churches have had to say on this subject. So sounds like the evidence is clear for the jury to make up their mind. Amen. And so you have some final thoughts well, for us, Sharissa, that are just beautiful. You shared them with me during the during that beautiful song we listened to. Do you want to share yeah. these with our listeners? Well, we were as we've been looking at it, and we've listened to just the history you shared of how you know Sunday became a day considered a day of worship. But it's obvious that the reason why that is the case is too because Satan must hate the Sabbath, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, the reason why is because the Sabbath is a memorial of God's creation, and Satan hates the creator Mm. Uh, not only that the bible tells us that the sabbath is a symbol of god's authority like the sabbath is god's day and he's the one who instituted it the devil hates that god is the one who has the authority satan hates the sabbath because it's an eternal symbol of our relationship with jesus not just as churches but personally um, the sabbath is a reminder of that and he hates the Sabbath because it's a symbol that, you know, one day God is going to recreate our bodies with perfect bodies. We'll mm. never get sick. So that's, it's something that God wants to heal us and mm. sanctify us. It's a symbol of our faith in Jesus. Satan mm-hmm. hates it when mm-hmm. we ex- exercise faith in Christ. Sure. Um, he, it's a symbol of God's sanctifying power. The one who created the whole world will recreate us. And finally, he hates the Sabbath because it's Jesus' guarantee that he is going to recreate this earth again. And um, he doesn't want us to be a part of God's eternal kingdom. And so that makes perfect sense to me why Satan might try and destroy the Sabbath through history. But it's also encouraging to me as we've been through this study today to see that God has an end time message calling people Mm. to come back to the day that he has made holy and blessed because there's a special blessing on the Sabbath. And, yeah, don't ever let the devil steal the mm. blessing that God wants for you to experience in keeping it holy. Amen and amen. That was so well put. And you're speaking of the end time call by God, which is found there in that first angel's message in Revelation 14:7, where God invites the entire world from every nation, kindred, tongue, and people Worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of water. God is calling the entire world at the end of time to to worship him as the creator, as the savior, mm-hmm. as the sustainer, as the coming redeemer. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for sharing that, Sharissa. So, well, as always, the time has flown by and it's time for us to say au revoir. Um, to our friends who who listen in, and it's been great to have you. I'm going to have a prayer and then just a, a few final thoughts about next week as we close out. Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you for the opportunity to spend time in your word. We thank you that your word indeed is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you for the clarity of your word. And we ask and pray that each and every one of us will hide your precious word in our hearts, in our minds, and that we will be willing through the power of the Holy Spirit to share your word with those around us, that those who are in darkness may step out of that darkness into your marvelous light. So we thank you and we praise you until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, folks, it's been uh, it's been wonderful to share this time with you, whether you're a first-time listener or whether you're a re- regular we're glad to have had you. Just a reminder, we have the we have the afternoon or the evening drive time show to follow from Adelaide. 
our friends in Adelaide um, will accompany you for the next little while. We may have a special guest next week um, to introduce to you, so we'll see how that goes. Otherwise, we'll be back. But just remember, folk, fear looks around, regret looks back, but faith always looks up. Keep looking up. Until next week, God bless. God bless. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up. When there's pain deep in your heart Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up Should the tears begin to start With a prayer all your cares He will cast Into the depths of the sea His love is always there for